me see Glengarry Glen Ross. Put the coffee down. Coffee is for closers. A, B, C, A, always, B, B, C, closing. We're talking about how to negotiate for a home. I'm actually going through this for right now. I'm selling my house. We're not talking about closing a deal here. We're talking about negotiating for a deal. And the key with negotiation is that you're always doing it from the very first time you see the house. So I'm talking about it from the perspective of a buyer. Let's say you're going to buy a house, right? If you're a buyer, you have an incentive, even if you like the house, even if you love the house, you have an incentive to paint the house in as negative of a light as possible. The seller wants to paint the house in as positive of a light as possible. Okay. But as the buyer, you're going to want to rip the house apart. Needs new paint, needs new floors, needs a new roof, needs a new pool. Like an inspection is part of that. But you should be making a series of negative comments to your realtor in order to bring the price of the house down. And you can ask for anything you want. And it's a negotiation. You can ask for anything you want. If you walk into a house and you like the drapes, the drapes can convey with the house. You can get the drapes. You like a piece of furniture, just ask for it. Maybe you'll get the furniture. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. I read a pretty good piece on negotiating for a house. So here it is. When you're in the market to buy a house, the fun part is browsing listings and touring places in person, imagining yourself in your new abode. The intimidating part is the negotiation. Unlike when you go to buy something in a store, everything in real estate is negotiable, especially if you're the buyer. This back and forth can work in your favor, but there are general ground rules to every negotiation. We're here to demystify the process and explain how to negotiate a house price. When does the negotiation start? Some real estate agents like to say the negotiation process starts when you go under contract with a seller, as in you made an offer and they've accepted it. But it's worth considering your negotiation power even before then, as in the very first time you see the home in person. Realistically, anything the buyer doesn't like can be a negotiating point. This can include repairs that need to be done, what appliances or furniture may come up with the home, and any facets of the property that may need to be fixed up or completed. For example, if a house has an unfinished guest suite, this might not be considered a repair, but it is still a worthy point of negotiation. Since completing this piece would require your time and funds in the future, it might be worth running those costs by your real estate agent or even asking a builder to provide an estimate and then asking the seller to come down in price to accommodate them. How does the negotiation work? If negotiation starts the first time you see the house, it is important to note that it doesn't end until you actually close on the property. Closing usually occurs 45 days after you sign the contract and in between, a whole lot happens to protect the buyer and make sure you're fully informed on your investment. That means that from the time the seller accepts your offer, you typically have over a month to review the home and its documentation and go through the necessary steps to make sure the house doesn't have any hidden problems and is worth the price you're paying. One key step in that process, getting a home inspection. 
Home inspectors check out all the systems of your house, plus all its nooks and crannies. Once you go under contract, schedule a home inspection ASAP, as this, more than anything else, will alert you to anything major that needs to be discussed and negotiated with the seller. Beyond what the home inspector finds or anything obvious, such as unfinished construction projects, there are a lot of small things you might want to negotiate. Keep in mind that small details may not actually affect the value of the home. Rather than negotiating on price, you might just be asking a seller to include or remove something from the property. The most important factors impacting the value of a home is the location in which it is found, its livable square footage, and the size and usability of the land on which it sits. Other factors such as the presence and size of garages, whether the basement and attic are finished, water damage, old carpeting, old appliances, and even creaking floors all impact value because it can affect whether a buyer is willing to purchase a property with these conditions. If you love the furniture in a home you're viewing, you might ask the seller if they'd be willing to include it. Alternatively, if there's old carpeting that smells like mold, this might be something you negotiate to have removed before closing. Keep in mind that negotiation isn't just about your findings and perceptions of the property. A lot depends on the seller. Negotiating is a lot like playing cards, meaning it's helpful to know a bit about the cards your seller is holding. Get a sense of why your seller is moving and how motivated they are to sell. If your seller is already settled somewhere else and is renting out the home for extra income, they may be less likely to deal with many buyer contingencies. But if your seller really needs to get rid of the police, either for financial or logistical reasons, they'll likely be more willing to go along with whatever needs to get done to close the deal. Another thing to keep in mind when negotiating the market you're in and whom it favors. It's basically a supply and demand situation. Since many sellers don't want to put their house on the market during a pandemic, almost every market is at record low inventory levels, making it very much a seller's market. Depending on what other offers the seller knows they can get, they may be more or less willing to negotiate the finer details with you. In a buyer's market, which is higher inventory with fewer buyers, a highly motivated seller might mean you score a better deal, both in pricing and contingencies. So when I bought my current house, <laughs> the sellers were distressed sellers. They had run into some financial trouble they needed to unload the house. The, the house had a high cost to carry and they were in trouble and we were able to squeeze them on the price. They were running out of money. Somehow they had no equity in the house. And the reason they had no equity in the house is because they bought it in 2006 at the top of the market and the market had declined. They had refinanced a bunch of times and they needed to sell it because they were going to go broke. The inspection didn't turn up much. One thing the sellers wanted to do was to get rid of a lot of furniture. So we ended up taking all the outdoor furniture plus the furniture in the guest bedroom. Interestingly enough, we had to pay for this separately by check <laughs> because the bank won't finance furniture. So we paid 7,500 bucks for the furniture, though we took this off the price of the house. It said in the piece, you want to know what cards the seller is holding. Why are they moving? Where are they moving to? Do they need to sell or not really? Uh, we are selling this house and it is a huge hassle because we have seven cats. So 
we have to move out all the cats anytime somebody comes in to look at the house. And it is a huge hassle. It is a huge hassle, especially when you get these people. These people are looky-loos and they're like, oh, you know, we just we just wanted to see what a one point eight million dollar house looked like. We're really looking in the one million dollar range, but we just wanted to see the house. Meanwhile, we had to chase all the cats around the house and put them in carriers and put them in the car. So if you don't have much experience negotiating for a house, you want to be tough. If you're not ordinarily a tough person, you want to get the best deal possible. A lot of people are people pleasers. They want to make everybody happy. You do not want to be a people pleaser when you're negotiating for a house. So I wanted to take a couple minutes to talk about uh, my business, Jared Dillian Money, which is a growing personal finance business. You can find it online at jareddillianmoney.com. We have a lot of products you might be interested in there. We have the Bond Masterclass. A lot of people know a lot about stocks. What I found is that people just don't know a lot about bonds. And this is really a college course a college course on learning about bonds. And it's a hell of a lot cheaper than going to college and taking a class. So I highly recommend you check out the Bond Masterclass. It'll make you a lot smarter on bonds, which is desperately needed in this country. We also have a report on the Awesome Portfolio, which is the portfolio with the best risk return characteristics of any portfolio possible. I've talked about this a little bit on the show. The awesome portfolio has 20% stocks, 20% bonds, 20% cash, 20% gold, and 20% real estate. And really, this is how you should be managing your money because you must be diversified across asset classes. I also want to talk about my new book, which is coming out January 23rd, 2024. It's called No Worries, How to Live a Stress-Free Financial Life. And this book is going to change the way people think about personal finance. Instead of thinking about personal finance as to how to get the most money, think of it in terms of how to minimize your stress, how to be happy. That's what this is all about is being happy. And if you're putting money in envelopes, you're stressing about money all the time. <laughs> if you're Going to the grocery store and you're thinking about whether you should buy the generic brand soup, you're thinking about money all the time. This is the way to not think about money all the time. Also, what I found is that the conventional wisdom on personal finance is that whether you have money is the product of a million small decisions, like getting coffee in the morning rather than a few big decisions. It's a few big decisions that determine whether you have money. It's how expensive of a house do you get? How big of a house do you get? What kind of car do you get and how do you finance it? And how much student loans do you have? It's those three things and nothing else. Those three things and nothing else. So anyway, I highly recommend pre-ordering no worries how to live a stress-free financial life. It's at Amazon and all kinds of booksellers around the world.